Well, we are in Matthew chapter 13, today continuing through this gospel. Now, if you are as old as I am, um, you might remember a, a campaign slogan many, many years ago for Coke, uh, and it was like, it's the real thing. Anybody remember that? It's the real thing, right? Coke is, what the, you know, all that. So it was a good slogan. We all remember it here all these years later. But it, it made me think of the fact that when it comes to our faith in Jesus Christ, it is the real thing. Amen? I mean, it's, it's the life of reality. And uh, it's the life of truth that begins the moment that we believe in Jesus Christ. We realize that God has sent him into the world. God proved that Jesus is the Christ, the atoning sacrifice for our sin by raising him from the dead. Jesus said, if you believe in me, you're going to have eternal life. That's the real thing. And there is no other way to have eternal life. There's no other way to come to God the Father except through him. That's the real thing. That's what Jesus said. And yet, even though he gives to us a faith that we could say is the real thing, there are phonies out there. There are charlatans, there are scam artists, there are pretenders, there are posers. There are people that are not the real thing. There are phonies. And there are even phonies in the church. And so we need to be aware of that. We need to be able to see and recognize who they are so that we're not deceived. We got to make sure that we're not a phony, right? We need to make sure that, that we... What we believe in is, in fact, the real thing. That the people that we're trusting in to bring us what is true, that they are the real thing. And so that's what we're going to look at today as Jesus kind of sets the stage. You know, Jesus was amazing in the, set, in the sense that he foresaw everything that was going to happen in this world. He tells us history in advance. He knew what would happen to his church, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he knows how this world is going to end. And as we begin to see things happening in the world today, we realize that the stage is being set for the end of all things, that governments are going to be coming down in order to establish the government of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we shouldn't be surprised as we see things happening in the world that are upsetting. Jesus said it would happen this way, and we are those who should know the truth and be on our guard and understand the times in which we live. But with that, God has also given to us peace and strength and courage and wisdom to go through these things and be victorious. Amen? So, But it starts with having a real relationship with Jesus Christ. So... Let's take a look at this. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Now, Jesus was talking to the multitudes in parables, stories. And he said another parable, it says he put forth to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? 
But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will send to the reapers, I will, I will say, rather, to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Okay, now Jesus was talking in these parables. And, you know, the disciples, I get a lot of encouragement from these guys. Because a lot of the times, you know, Jesus would say, hey, do you understand this? And they go, oh, yeah, yeah. And then they go, I don't have a clue. Do you have a clue? I don't know what he's saying. Do you? No. They didn't get it. And so I, I, I appreciate that because, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, right? Sometimes I don't get what it is that God is doing. And, uh, and so, and nor do I understand, you know, I'd be like these guys. So, so, so what happened was Jesus continued to share some parables with the multitudes, but then later on, you know, they got Jesus together. They got with Jesus and said, Hey, what does this mean? Right. Okay. But let's take a look at, at this, at this parable uh, that Jesus said, he said, no, um, there's a, this farmer and he sows the good wheat seed into his field, and then an enemy comes while he is sleeping and sows the seed of tares. Now, what is tares? Tares are basically weeds that are in grain fields. They are thought here in this parable to be a certain kind of weed known as darnel, okay? Which is, the thing about it is it's a ryegrass, but it comes up and you cannot tell the difference between the darnel and the wheat until it goes and, and forms the, the head of grain. And then at that point, you can tell, okay, that's not wheat, that's darnel, you know. And so, you know, immediately it's, it's very shocking who in the world would do this. I mean, what kind of person would go in the middle of the night in somebody else's farm and take the trouble to sow these weed seeds. I mean, that just seems absolutely vicious. And of course, we find out that it was an enemy. And so there was no potential profit for this guy <clears throat> to do this. It was purely out of malice. He hated the owner of the field and he wanted to do anything that he could to spoil his crop. And so that's why he sowed these um, these weed seeds, basically, darnel. Um, now, this, when this, you know, at first, the servants think, well, you know, did you sow bad seed? You know, where did you buy your seed? You know, uh, that was their first thought. And then the owner says, no, the seed was good. The problem is my enemy. And so once they figured that out, then they said, okay, well, do you want us to go ahead and we'll just, you know, root up, you know, go pull up all the weeds uh, of the darnel and, uh, and then call it good. And he said, no, don't do that. Because if you do that, then you're going to also uproot the wheat. And, uh, and we'll lose good wheat. So leave it alone. Just let it grow together. And then when the harvest time comes, I will send out the reapers. They'll cut it all down. They'll, uh, first, they'll, they'll try to get the darnel, you know, cut that down. Bound that up in bundles. Uh, if they get some wheat at the same time, they can pluck it out and put it in the good pile, you know. And then they're going to burn the darnel, but they're going to gather the wheat into the barn, and that's how we'll do it. Okay? Story 
Jesus gives it. Everybody walks away. That's cool. What does it mean? Okay. <laughs> uh, and so, so we're going to jump ahead to get to Jesus's interpretation uh, in verse 36. Now, this is important because there are only two parables that Jesus told where he gave the interpretation. One was last week. We talked about it, that, the parable of the, the seed and the soils. And Jesus gave the interpretation. And then this one, because his disciples asked him, what does it mean? And so uh, it's a good thing they did. Because based on these two parables, we have to figure out what the other parables mean. So it's very important that we understand here Jesus' explanation. Verse 36. Jesus sent, it says that he sent the multitude away, went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. And he answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels. And they will gather out of the kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. All right. So um, Jesus says, first off, the field is, is the world. Now that's interesting because they probably would have thought that the field would have just been Israel. Jesus says, no, the field is the world. The the extent of my ministry here, Jesus is saying, is all of the nations of the world. Okay? And that's what I've come to do. I've come to bring a harvest from the entire world. Now, Jesus is the one who sows the good seed into the world. That's what he says. You know, I'm the one, the son of man is the one sowing the seed, the good seed. And the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. Okay, now in the previous parable, we saw that the seed represented the word of God. But here, Jesus says that the seeds, the wheat seeds, the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. Uh, in other words, Jesus is sowing his followers throughout the world. Now, that ought to give you some picture. If you are a follower of Jesus, what Jesus' plan is for you. You know, why has he called you to the city where you are living? Why are you there? Why are you in the neighborhood in which you are living? Why are you surrounded by the people in your life that you are surrounded by? Why are you working with the people that you are working with? Here's the reason. That's the field. They're the world. You are a good seed. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you're following him. And Jesus has purposefully sown you into the world in order to bring forth the harvest of souls. That's his purpose. 
Now, at times, I think that, you know, we enjoy coming together on Sundays. We enjoy eating at the food truck. We enjoy having a picnic in the park. You know, we enjoy our Bible studies. We enjoy our Christian fellowship. I think sometimes we could say, wouldn't it be great if we all sort of lived in a Christian community and we all had Christians around us, we worked with Christians continuously, and we just had this wonderful Christian commune. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And it would be fine until you start getting on each other's nerves, as we all inevitably do, right? Because we're all human. Now, but that's not the way Jesus intends it to be. That's not the Lord's plan. The Lord's plan is told, we're told in John chapter 17, verse 15, when he was praying that high priestly prayer to his father. And he said, Father, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. The Lord wants us to be in the world. He wants us to be among them heathen. Okay, because <laughs> he wants to save them, heathen. Uh, and so he puts us in there. But he says, Father, I pray not that you take them out of the world, not that they all go into some monastery somewhere, but that you keep them from the devil, from the evil one, from the evil that he sows into this world. Keep them pure, God. Keep them holy. That's the Lord's prayer for us. And that's the kind of life that he lived, right? He was among the people. He ate with sinners. He was even accused by his enemies of being a friend of sinners, which I think would be the best accusation somebody could bring against me, I would hope. Why? Because he loved them. And then he was among them. Now, the one who sows tares or darnel is the devil. And we understand how it is that the farmer's enemy could be so dastardly, okay? In the parable, it's shocking to see how, you know, who would do such a thing? Well, the devil would, okay? <laughs> the devil would do such a thing. Uh, motivated by pure malice. Satan seeks to do whatever he can to destroy the harvest of Jesus Christ. He hates Christ. He hates Christ's followers. He will stop at nothing to upset everything, to destroy everything that he can. And never underestimate just the, the relentlessness and the wickedness of Satan. He doesn't play by the rules. He doesn't play fair. He is dastardly in every sense of the word. And so even while we are sleeping, he sneaks in unnoticed. And I think in many ways, the church has been asleep. We have been asleep. We have allowed a lot of things to, to just slip through our fingers into this culture. And we haven't stood up. We haven't said this is wrong. We haven't been salt. We haven't been light. And while we've been sleeping, the devil's been sowing. Amen. He's been sowing a lot of garbage, a lot of bad seed. And now we look around and we see a bunch of weeds coming up everywhere. Well, you know, we shouldn't be surprised by that because that's what's been happening. And so, uh, you know, this is what he does. Now, while he, his devices, let me, I, I want to completely unmask Satan for you so you're not deceived by his devices. 
You know, the Bible says we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Do you know what they are? You know, Paul does not want us, when he said that, he does not want the church to be ignorant of the devices of Satan. Why? Because he comes, he comes to, he, he seeks to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So let's look at his, his devices. They are deception, slander, discouragement, division, distraction, and fear. These are the things that Satan uses in the lives of the in, in the lives of the world, in the lives of believers. It's those fiery arrows that he shoots at whomever he can. Okay? And so this is how he works. Those he can he, he seeks to deceive if you know and, and then ultimately destroy. If he can't destroy you because you're a child of God, well then he'll still he'll still try to deceive you. And so uh, that's what we're dealing with. He seeks to silence our testimony. He seeks to put out our light. His end game is to, to, to destroy the harvest of Christ. And he is now coming down with great fury. Why? Because he knows his time is short. Folks, things are wrapping up. We have never been closer to the return of Jesus Christ than we are right now. The stage is being set. Israel has, is a nation. Lawlessness is abounding. Everything that Jesus said would be occurring is occurring. It's happening before our eyes. But he also said that when you see these things, he said, be depressed, be discouraged, be angry, and rip everybody's heads off, right? That's what he said? No, that's not my gospel. He said that when you see these things begin to happen, look up for your redemption's drawing near. And be bold and be courageous and hold fast to the truth. Because the time is short. And that's what's happening, I believe, right now, even in our nation, even throughout the world. God is setting the stage. Now, the tares, the darnel, are the sons of the devil. He has planted them alongside the wheat. They listen to the devil. They do his work. Their tongues are set on fire by hell. Their speech may be smooth as oil, but it has the poison of venom. They pose as members of the church, but they have rebel hearts. They're not ultimately submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ, nor to his word. At first, they are indistinguishable from the wheat. Here's the thing. That's why it's so important to understand that in this parable, the darnel looks exactly like the wheat, and it's indistinguishable, really. You can't tell. So Satan has sown into the church people who seem to be members of the church. They look like sheep, but they're not sheep. They're not children of God. They're ultimately children of the devil. But over time, it becomes evident that they are not the real deal. Okay? They're counterfeits. They're posers. They're pretenders. They're hypocrites. And they're in the church. And there's probably some in our church too. Hopefully it's not me. Uh, (laughs) Ultimately, we alone are the one that can determine whether or not we're the real thing. Okay? And that is the, the responsibility of each of us to, number one, make sure that we're the real thing. <laughs> and then, number two, to be discerning about people that might seem to be real, but really are not real and are causing great harm. Okay? So is it really possible that people in the church 
are not true Christians? Is it possible that they are in fact plants of the devil? Well, wasn't Korah in the days of Moses, Moses such a man? He was one of the priests or one of the the um, the Kohathites, the uh, the priestly the priestly the, a Levite. He was a Levite. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> but he was a pretender. Uh, what about Judas? He was named among the apostles. You know, it wasn't like when Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you was, will betray me, that they all turned and pointed at Judas. They didn't know. They were saying, Lord, is it I, you know? Judas was like them. They didn't know. They, and they were probably shocked when they found out that it was, in fact, when Judas goes out, Jesus says, whatever you're going to do, you know, go do it quickly. Judas leaves. They think he's going out to go on some errand. They have no idea that he's actually going to betray Jesus. So he was a poser. Um, what about Ananias and Sapphira in the early church? They seemed like they were dedicated. They seemed like they were selling their property to give to the Lord. And, and Peter saw right through them and said, you're, you're hypocrites. You, you held back some of this. You're making it look like you're giving your all to God, but you're not. You're hypocrites. And they died on the spot. So these are examples of people that are pretenders, and often, you, they're, like I said, they're indistinguishable from the regular, you know, true followers of, of the Lord. Um, now, the servants were not wrong for recognizing the darnel in the field. There was no problem with that. They came to the owner, you know, and said, hey, what? there's darnel out there. It's not the real deal. At first, they thought that perhaps the owner had sown bad seed, but once they found out that wasn't the case, uh, but the owner told them, you know, that really it was the enemy that did it, then they wanted to go rip it all up, but he, but he said, now don't do that. Don't rip it up because you're going to take out the good wheat. Okay, so we apply this. How do we apply it? Well, phonies in the church, phonies, you know, that, they're in cults, obviously. Uh, they appear to, you know, they might even call themselves Christians, okay? Happens. Uh, and like I said, they're not usually recognizable at first, but in time, they will reveal their true nature. It'll happen. You just watch over time, and you'll begin to see. Um, when they out... That is, their true colors come out. We can and must discern that they are false. Otherwise, we will be deceived and other people will be deceived as well. Okay? Um, and they will ultimately go on in their deception. Now, here's the deal. Okay? God ultimately wants to save even those people. Okay? But we need to understand who they are and be aware of the way the devil uses them to bring division, and harm in the body of Christ. So, how do we recognize them? Jesus, speaking of false prophets, said in Matthew seven fifteen, he said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. 
A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So what Jesus is saying here is like, watch for the fruits. Be fruit inspectors. Watch in people's lives. See, anybody can fake things for a while. But then you get into stressful situations. You know, I believe we're actually right now going through everything we're going through with the, the, the COVID pandemic. There's a lot of testing going on. And what's happening is in that testing, you are going to see what's really in the hearts of people, what really makes them tick, what motivates them. And some of them are just ticked off. Okay. Uh, but understand that if you have the Holy Spirit in you, if you are truly a believer in Jesus Christ, then the fruit of the Spirit is going to come forth in your life. You're going to have love. You're going to have joy. You're going to have patience. Well, that's one I'm still working on. Amen. <laughs> you're going to have peace. That's the result of Christ being in you, the Spirit of God being in you. And people who go through times of stress, distress, they're going to bring forth their true colors. And that's what you're going to see. You're going to see how... Now, I'm not talking about uh, just uh, a spontaneous outburst that happens, you know, just because you get under duress. We all, you know, lose it at times. We lose our temper. Uh, you know, we're human. Sometimes the old nature gets the best of us. But what you will see is an ongoing fruit. You, you can't bear good fruit if you're a bad tree. You can't continue to bear good fruit over time. And it will become very evident that what you've been doing, you know, they might have all of the right words. They may speak the Christianese. They may go to church. They may look and, and sound like Christians, but you see from the fruit the fruit is gossip, it's backbiting, it's division, it's hatred, it's anger, it's unbelief, it's disobedience, the works of the flesh. And then you say, you know, you might, your lips are saying the right things, but your actions are proving otherwise. And that's how you recognize it. The Apostle John said in 1 John 2, 3, he said, now by this, we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this, we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Do you want to know what the standard is to a true believer and Christian? It's Jesus Christ. The reason we call ourselves Christians is because it means that we are following after him. He is the standard. I'm not the standard. You're not the standard. It's not up to somebody else to tell you the standard. Jesus is the standard. And John tells us here that if we are truly his followers, we will walk as he walked. We will keep his commandments. Jesus said, he who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And if somebody is ignoring the commandments of the, of the Lord, I don't care what they call themselves, they are not Christians. And we need to understand that so we're not deceived by these false 
brethren and posers that do great harm to the body of Christ. So, the person who says that he knows Christ but won't keep his commands, as John says, is a liar. Now, it's when we believe in Jesus that we will then, because we love him, we'll keep his commandments. And, then, and, and it's, none of us have the right to sort of cherry pick. <laughs> we can't say, oh, I like this commandment, I'll do that. But this one over here, I don't really agree with, I'm not going to do that. Okay, you're false. Because if you really love Jesus, you're not in the position to say, oh, I'm going to pick this commandment and do this, but ignore this one over here. No, if we love Jesus, if we're truly his disciples, we will aim to keep all of his commandments. So here's the thing. John tells us in 1 John 5, 3, that his commandments are not burdensome. They aren't. It really comes down to just loving God and loving people. Uh, but that's the way that we know. Now, a true follower of Jesus aims to walk as Jesus walked, understanding these things. I wonder how many so-called conversions are really not even real. They're fake. They're fake conversions. You can't really tell, honestly, until you see over time. You know, that's why even, you know, I I, I sort of cringe when people say, well, so many, there is 12, you know, 20 people saved today. Well, you don't really know if they were saved. You know, they might have made a decision. They might have filled out a card. But God only knows those who are really saved. And, and, and if they're saved, they will endure because the Spirit of God will, will cause them to endure, you see, and they will finish the race. Uh, but, but I wonder, you know, how many of these so-called decisions are really real? God only knows. I don't know. And I'm really not even the judge. I'm not the judge of you. You're not the judge of me. God only knows. But... There's enough in the scripture to understand that there is there are false brethren. Paul deal with dealt with it a lot. And there are people in the church that are posing. Now, if we recognize that someone in the church is not the real deal, then what should we do? Do we put them out of the church? Do we ostracize them? Do we just sort of shun them and give them the cold shoulder and they tell they finally just wander off and we think to ourselves, good riddance. Is that how we handle it? No, that's not how we handle it. You know, and here's the thing. This is where the, the parable breaks down. Okay? Every parable, if you take it too far, it'll start to break down. You need to understand that about parables. Where this parable breaks down is that it is impossible for Darnell to ever become wheat. But in the kingdom of God, somebody who has been a son of the wicked one, somebody who has been a poser, somebody who has been a hypocrite, and a pretender can still be saved. Hallelujah, right? They can be. And that's what we are to pray for. Therefore, if you see somebody that is not walking the walk, you know, don't just slander them. Don't just ignore them. Go to them in love and say, you know, the Bible says this, but this is what I'm seeing in your life. And it could be that that's the opportunity for them to make a true repentance and a true conversion and transfer from being a son of the wicked one to being a son of the kingdom. And that's what we're to hope for and pray for. 
But at the same time, we need to realize that that's not always the case. And there are wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, the wolves we are going to put out. Believe me, if I see a wolf in this flock, if I see some guy that's just sort of seducing women, sleeping with them, whatever, you know, and pretending to be a Christian, we were going to kill, we're going to, what are we, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to end their birthday quick, okay? I don't know that it will murder them, but I'm going to send our attack ushers after them, okay? And we will put them out in a hurry. So, so those are wolves, okay? <laughs> those, those are wolves. There are also goats, okay? Goats are just, they're not really believers, but they could be, you know? And they're pretending, you know? They're pretending, they're, they're, they're playing the, the church game, you know? They're kind of doing church on Sunday, kind of living like the world the rest of the week. Hey, man, I was one of those guys. I really was. So, you know, they can be converted. God can get a hold of their heart. And we need to pray for them. Uh, because, you know, the Lord wants to save them. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, that's what we ought to do for them. Now, just as the owner instructed his servants to wait until the harvest, so Jesus instructs us to wait until the harvest, which is at the end of the age. Okay? I know it's tempting. It's tempting to just want to start rooting people out because we think, well, we've got the inside track. We know who are the real Christians. And we are like the, in the place of the judge to figure out, you know, these guys have got it together. I've got the true doctrine. They don't. Let's mark them as being heretics. Wait a minute. Hold. Stop. Who made you the judge? You know, Paul said, you know, to their own master, they will stand or fall, and they will stand for the Lord will make them stand. Who are you to judge your neighbor? So we, not, you know, we need to be discerning, but at the same time, we don't go around trying to pull them up. Because if we try to pull them up, if we go on some witch hunt and are going to sort of like, you know, root out all of the, the doctrine that we think is false, you know, and try to root it out, uh, listen, you're going to pull up a lot of good people. And that's where, where Jesus says, look, just leave them alone. Yeah, they're, they're coming to our church. They might be sitting next to you. But God knows their hearts. And if you see something that doesn't seem right, you pray for them. But you know, at the end, it's the end of the age that God is going to sort it all out. And God knows those who are his own. And, and the, God, the Lord will send forth the angels and he'll gather those that offend those who offend God, those who offend people, those who are lawless, the angels are going to gather them up. They're going to bind them up and they're going to take them to the furnace of fire where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. That ought to be enough to really make sure that we're really in, okay? <laughs> I don't want to be gathered up with those guys. But God's going to take care of it. And we're to be patient until he does, okay? And just wait it out. Then it says the righteous will shine. Jesus said the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. This is the fulfillment of Daniel 12, 3 that says those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Look, you who are love Jesus, you whom he has saved, not because you're deserving, not because you're perfect, but just because you trust him. You know, he's got amazing plans for you. 
You know, you're going to shine like the stars of heaven. Imagine that. We can't even begin to imagine what God has in store for those who love him. Those who turn many to righteousness. See, that's our job. It's to be in the world. It's to love people. It's to use opportunities to tell them about what Jesus has done in our lives and and to tell them about our Savior and how great he is and to turn them from from the lies that this world is, is sowing to them, that Satan has bound them and enslaved them. Jesus said, he who sins is a slave to sin. You know, and it's to turn them to righteousness. And those who do that, who are true sons of the kingdom, will shine like the stars of heaven. going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Now, Jesus ends it all and he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus speaks to the people who are listening. Are you listening to what he's saying? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. You know, and the, the one who truly loves God is going to want to listen to God. You're going to want to turn an ear to what he has to say because you realize it's true, it's good, it's right, it's perfect. Do you want to hear what God has to say? Do you want to hear when God says, stop doing that? <laughs> it's not good for you. Do you want to hear when God says, I want you to do this, I've called you to do this? Or are you going to be like Jonah and go the opposite direction? You see, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and the true sons of the kingdom want to do the will of their king. Jesus teaches us that there will be a mixture of good and evil, even in the church until he returns to establish his kingdom. If we keep this in mind, then we won't stumble when we see people fall. How many people who have been in, you know, in the pulpits, in the ministry, friends that we have known that started out well, maybe they're the people that even told us about Jesus Christ and they have stumbled and they have fallen. Some of them, they're just like the prodigal. They're going to come back. Others, perhaps, were pretending the whole time. God only knows. But Jesus tells us this so that we're not stumbled when we see things like that happen. Don't let it shake your faith. Your faith shouldn't be in me. It shouldn't be in somebody else that you think is standing for Jesus. Your faith should be in Jesus, period. And he will see you through. And just understand, there's good, there's evil. There's good and evil mixed in all of us, but certainly in the church. And so... um, As Ananias and Sapphira were among the disciples of the early church, there are hypocrites in the church today who pretend to be devoted, but in fact they are serving themselves. They pose as those who are seeking the kingdom of God, but in fact they are seeking their own agenda. They're not sons of the kingdom. They are sons of the wicked one. And now, because we cannot judge the hearts of others, We may not always know who they are, but God knows. And in the end, he will gather them up and he will take them into the place uh, where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's that ought to cause us all to just stop and say, Lord, I want to make sure that I am the real thing. I want to make sure that I know you, that I'm saved, that I'm 
listening to your voice and I'm doing what you say. And I believe that this time right now that we are in is a real time for some soul searching. You know, the Bible says that judgment is to begin in the house of God. But if judgment begins in the house of God, then what is going to become of the unregenerate, the the, the unbelievers? What's going to happen to the world? If judgment begins here in the church, then what's going to happen to the world? So I say, Lord, have your way in this time. Have your way in your church. I could think of nothing that would be a better outcome for the COVID pandemic than for it to ultimately bring revival in the church and awakening in the world. Amen? And I'm praying for that. I really am. Because I think this, no matter who you are, this has shaken up your life. It's shaken up your life. And God wants to shake things up to get our attention many times. Sometimes that he would rather not do it that way, but we're sort of stubborn. And sometimes that's the only way he can get our attention. But for us to really use this time to make a fresh dedication of our lives to the Lord, to say, God, I want to be the real deal. (laughs) I want to be one of those that you have planted that is turning people to righteousness, that is part of your plan to bring many souls into the harvest. I want to be that person. And Lord, I want you to remove anything in my life that is hindering me from that. That's the real deal. If you really are true about your discipleship, you're going to say, yes, Lord, do that. As David said, search my heart, Lord. See if there's any evil way in me. I want to walk with you. I want to accomplish your will. I want to finish well.